Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Wednesday morning. It's Wednesday, June 14th. Great to be with you every day here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Excited about our program today, as I am every single day. We have Monsignor Pope, who's going to be joining us, which will be a really great conversation. I haven't spoken with him in a while, but he's got a great piece on the register all about moving away from the fear of COVID now that the quote-unquote health emergency is over, that the government has declared it over, looking back on how we can operate differently, God forbid, if something like that happens again, and not to go back into the fear and to the excessive lockdowns and everything that happened. And he does a good job of assessing the situation, which very few people are doing. They had folks uh, in Congress yesterday testifying the CDC regarding the end of covid but, of course, they're standing by many of the claims that they made during COVID itself. And there's so much that has just been let go, swept under the rug. People are ignoring. At least the Surgeon General, I have to say, is coming out with some pretty good reports on some of the problems related to COVID with the situation with young people and also with loneliness and how it was all exacerbated by COVID. But there needs to be much more done so we don't make the same mistakes. Again, we have to learn from what happened, not just say, oh, it's done so we can just move on. So I'm really excited to talk with Monsignor about that and get his perspective, especially from a faith perspective in terms of what happened in the churches and with other places shutting down as well. So that will be, I'm sure, a dynamic conversation with Monsignor Charles Pope that comes up at 15 minutes past the hour after the news and the weather. And then we are going to be checking in with our very own Joan Lewis over in Rome to get the latest on the recovery of the Holy Father who had surgery last week but reportedly is still doing very, very well and she'll give us an update, plus all the other news that's going on, of course, at the Vatican and in Rome. So that is our show for today on a Wednesday. And for any archives or to go back and to re-listen to anything on the program, you can always go to AveMariaRadio.net and then just go to the archive section of the program of the website and you'll have all the information that you need. So let's take a look and see what the weather looks like before we get into the news on a busy Wednesday morning. We have storms and heavy rain in the south and building heat in the state of Texas. So National Weather Service reporting severe storms continuing to focus along a lingering boundary. The greatest threat for very large hail, damaging winds, and heavy rain that could cause flooding will be in the Gulf Coast states and the southeast. National Weather Service also saying that heavy rain could cause flooding and will also be possible in the Intermountain West and South. Now heat and humidity continue to build across Texas as well. So some areas are still going to get some rough weather, so just keep that in mind if you're traveling or living in those particular regions of the US of A. Next week, can you believe it? Today is Flag Day, obviously, but next week, can you believe it? Actually starting the beginning officially of summer on the calendar, wow. It is three minutes past the hour. We have news to get through. We'll do that right now. Appreciate your listenership. For more information on EWTN or Ave Maria Radio, check us out both online on EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Let's see what's happening in and around the world on a Wednesday morning, June 14th. (laughs) 
Well, a 44-year-old woman is facing a felony charge after she allegedly vandalized a Catholic church in Miami. According to Miami-Dade Police, security video shows a woman spray-painting the words liars and other disgusting words and an upside-down cross on the church as well as a sign and columns in the school courtyard. It was St. Timothy Catholic Church, and this happened last weekend. Police say the attack was motivated by religious prejudice. Testimony continuing in the capital murder trial of accused Tree of Life synagogue shooter Robert Bowers. Jurors yesterday presented with more witness testimony concerning the defendant's social media activity. He is accused of killing 11 people in a mass shooting at the Pittsburgh Synagogue in October of 2018. An FBI analyst called the standby prosecutors yesterday, reading hundreds of messages posted by the defendant on the social media platform, Gab.com, with many of them having been posted in the week before the shooting. In his testimony, analyst Evan Brown telling jurors that Bauer's messages included the word Jews more than 150 times and a slur for the word Jews nearly 90 times. In Davenport, Iowa, demolition is now underway on a six-story apartment building that partially collapsed late last month. The city of Davenport says a building likely contained asbestos and other potentially hazardous materials. Parts of the 116-year-old brick, steel, and concrete structure collapsed on May 28th, killing three people, hurting several others, and leaving dozens without a home. Former President Donald Trump is calling the federal charges against him election interference. Threatening me with 400 years in prison for possessing my own presidential papers, which just about every other president has done, is one of the most outrageous and vicious legal theories ever put forward in an American court of law. Speaking at his golf club in New Jersey after pleading not guilty to federal charges related to his alleged handling of classified documents, Trump called the classified documents he had in his possession, again, his own presidential papers, adding that the photographs of boxes at his Mar-a-Lago home were staged. Trump faces 37 counts, including obstruction, as the indictment against him alleges he stored the material at his residence in Florida. Meanwhile, Florida Senator Marco Rubio is sounding off, saying he's very concerned about the federal charges against the former president. So this is what we're going to be focused on while China is opening spy bases in Cuba, flipping places like Honduras, just in our own hemisphere, not to mention what they're doing all over the world. Rubio also saying the charges against Donald Trump are unlike anything we've seen before in this country. I'm not saying these documents should have been there, just like they shouldn't have been in Biden's garage either. But they do not meet the standard of bringing a prosecution. The damage it's already inflicted is far beyond damage, if any, of the president storing this in cardboard boxes somewhere. In other news this morning, Mark Mayfield tells us a 911 call revealing that Unabomber Ted Kaczynski committed suicide in prison by hanging himself. TMZ says an official at the federal prison in North Carolina called in the suicide early Saturday morning, noting that medics were working on a guy that was hanging. The report claims that Kaczynski's body had neck injuries and a deformed trachea from hanging. Kaczynski was serving eight life sentences for a string of deadly mail bomb attacks, mostly at universities and airlines. He was arrested in 1996 after 20 years of evading authorities. The FBI called him the university and airline bomber, but in the press he became known as the Unabomber. Ted Kaczynski was 81 years old. After 10 consecutive rate hikes, the Fed Reserve is poised to hit the pause button. Bank rates Greg McBride saying even though the annual inflation rate is down to 4%, the pause won't last long. Rate hikes are expected to ramp up again in July. 
we are seeing inflation moderate, but a lot of that's being driven by declines in, in energy prices, particularly gasoline prices. When you look at, at the core items, the, the progress has been much more modest. During this time, McBride says you should pay down your debt, try to grab a 0% or other low-rate balance transfer, offer and boost your emergency savings. If rates remain unchanged, they will hover in a range of 5%. Lisa Taylor has more on food prices that are going up as of last month after declining in the spring. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Price Index, prices at the grocery store went up 0.1% from April to May. Menu items went up half a percent in the same time. Grocery prices are nearly 6% more expensive than this time last year. And menu prices rose over 8% in the past year. Not one, but four tropical waves have the attention of storm trackers at the National Hurricane Center. As we get into the summer months, they tend to be more prominent here into the um, areas that are the where tropical cyclones can form between Africa and the Caribbean. That's the National Hurricane Center's Dr. Richard Pash, who says most tropical waves do not develop into any threat. The Atlantic does see roughly 50 or 60 of them annually, which only a handful or so actually grow into full-fledged tropical storms or hurricanes. An asteroid that's roughly as long as a New York City-Brooklyn bridge will pass by Earth tomorrow. The object will pass the planet at a distance of about 1.9 million miles, and it's the largest of the next few asteroids approaching planet Earth because of its size. NASA has classified it as a potentially hazardous object. And researchers say a new type of beaked dinosaur has been discovered in eastern Utah. Information published just last week indicating the new species was discovered in a 99-million-year-old rock found near Emory County. Paleontologists have been examining the rock, they say, since 2015 and describe the dinosaur as about 12 feet long with a bill like a duck, and the dinosaur appears to have died out more than 66 million years ago. Researchers are hopeful that more fossils will be discovered That will provide more information about the new species. Very interesting indeed. It is a Wednesday morning. It's Flag Day. It's June 14th coming up this Friday, of course, a Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a very important feast day on the Catholic calendar. And don't forget that this month is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And to go to the statement from the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, to remind ourselves to make sure that we're going to all be praying the Litany of the Sacred Heart on Friday, which we should be doing anyway, but especially keeping in mind what's happening, unfortunately still on the calendar at the Dodger Stadium, where the so-called Sisters of perpetual indulgence who dresses nuns they are men in drag they dress as nuns and they mock not only religious sisters and their vocations but they mark our lord they mock the catholic church and they're getting a community service award or a hero award for apparently all that they do for the community we interviewed patty armstrong yesterday on a piece that she did for the register and she looked into it and she found that they give this group gives out grants uh maybe a couple hundred dollars every year, maximum a thousand, and they give to other groups that support a very, very extreme agendas regarding sexuality, so I'll just leave it at that. And then you have them mocking religious sisters who for centuries, centuries, have been helping people around the world. How many millions of dollars have these amazing religious orders 
have they given in charitable work? Not to mention starting of hospitals and schools, and yet they're being mocked by this group who's actually being recognized as heroes at a major baseball game on Friday night. But as Patty said in the interview she did with The Exorcist, a, a wonderful Monsignor, that we need to pray for it. We did to do two things. First and foremost, pray for those involved in this. Pray for the church. Pray for an opening of hearts and minds. Pray for peace. But especially pray in the name of our Lord Jesus that these people will see the error in their ways and that you can't claim tolerance by mocking other people. doesn't work that way. Monsignor Charles Pope will join us in about two minutes. He has a powerful piece on the register regarding moving away from fear. I always say I think of the word fear as an acronym, false evidence appearing as real. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. The Archbishop of Detroit, Alan Vigneron, published a little booklet called The Beauty of Truth, and it, it deals with this very question of words and the use of words. And it's a great sorrow, the Archbishop points out, when the quantity of words being expressed as a, is at an all-time high and the consequences of ill-used words <laughs> are causing more harm to the cause of truth and the good of the human soul than maybe ever before. Are we part, as I say, are we part of the problem or are we part of the solution? Are, are we constantly carping? Uh, about society, church, uh, media, police, uh, because if so, we're going we're gonna to have to go out of our way to demonstrate this kind of patience with one another, to let people think through things rather than you know, immediately slam them with, I've got the answer for you, buddy. Words matter. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Fifteen minutes past the hour on a busy Wednesday morning, June 14, 2023. Monsignor Charles Pope from the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. joins us. He's written... In pastoral journals, contributes to the register regularly, of course, conducted numerous retreats for priests and lay faithful, and also has conducted weekly Bible studies in the U.S. Congress and the White House, named a Monsignor in 2005. And, of course, you know him well from his work with the register and Catholic Radio. Monsignor, thanks, sir, for doing this article. It's, it's really important, and I'm always looking back and wondering you know, why there isn't more follow-up when we go through these big crises, whether it's on a local level or a national or international level, but your piece is entitled, Yes to Prudence, No to Fear, Why the Mistakes We Made During COVID Must Never Happen Again. So what prompted this piece that you did for the register recently? 
Well, pretty much exactly what you said. I I think what happened to us, I, I mean, not the virus itself so much, but um, what happened to us and how we responded to it is so serious that, you know, it, it, well, it, 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 we've got to we've got to take a look at this and say, was, what, did we act reasonably? Um, what were the mistakes uh, that we, nobody ever wants to admit to a mistake, you know. How many times did they tell us, you know, that, <clears throat> you know, millions and millions and millions are going to die? And uh, I don't know, you could debate forever the number who actually did die over the three-year period, but we don't, we don't want to look at the other numbers either. Like, well, what happened when people were shut down for two years, who lost careers, who, who uh, you know, uh, maybe fell into broken marriages, or all those kids who lost all those years, of, you know, two years of at least of education, and, you know, I could go on with the list. And then, of course, let's not fail to look at the damage to our church, you know, a third of people have never come back to Mass. And uh, mm-hmm. oh, we just move right on. And uh, what prompted it, too, was an article or um, uh, you know, the remarks by Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, who uh, was pondering just the, the, the great destructive quality of how many people handed over lots of civil rights to uh, the government just because they were afraid of a little virus that killed less than 1% of its victims. So, yeah. Yeah, you quote the uh, the commentary by Justice Gorsuch, and let me just read one of the paragraphs you have in here because I think it's really important. Fear and the desire for fa- for safety are powerful forces. They can lead to a clamor for action, almost any action, as long as someone does something to address a perceived threat. A leader or an expert who claims he can fix everything, if only we do exactly as he says, can prove an irresistible force. We do not need to confront a bayonet. We only need a nudge before willing to abandon the nicety of requiring laws to be adopted by our legislative representatives and accept rule by decree. And then he goes on to talk about what happened on a number of levels during COVID, as you just did. I, I, I'm really worried, Monsignor, though, that we haven't learned our lesson and that because so many people so quickly just agreed mm-hmm. with everything. Not that we, I mean, we're, we're Americans. We're concerned about people. We were concerned about, about everything. But there was so much information that was, that was not information that was all over the map. Wear one mm-hmm. mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear two masks. No, 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 no. And nobody is really going back, as you said, and looking at this and deciding, well, God forbid, what happens if we come up against something that's even more serious than COVID? Are we going to do this again? Yeah, and I can say that um, I hope not. <laughs> I um, I think we can, again, we can uh, debate forever on these things, but I, could there ever be a rational scientific discussion about whether or not those masks they, they were forcing us to wear? I mean, there were these masked Nazis everywhere, my God. I'm 30 feet away from anybody outside walking on the street minding my own business, and I'm required to wear a mask? Hey, are we crazy? Yes. That's, 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 we were crazy. We were, we were manipulated by fear, and, um, you know, the sky is falling, and uh, people ran for cover and, and were almost willing to surrender every right. And I, I'm utterly shocked, and I was so disappointed in the character of, uh, of my fellow Americans and how quickly we caved. We were so manipulated and so easily manipulated. And so I, I, all I can say is that, um, you know, it, it does come down ultimately to, the, to a discussion about fear. And um, there is a line in the letter to the Hebrews where, you know, St. Uh, well, I think St. Paul wrote it, but whoever wrote Hebrews says, you know, that it was, it was uh, through the fear of death that the devil has kept us in bondage and I think, you know, we can take that fear of death and we can say, well, it's like any death, like a, any diminishment, anything that might 
you know, ruin my quality of life. But, but of course, ultimately, this was the ultimate fear of death. And I'm just astonished, just astonished at how quickly, um, you know, we caved. And, uh, you know, as Christians, of course, we were all ducking for cover, too. And we were manipulated and told you can't. Now, for example, I was um, accused of being irresponsible when I said, do not be afraid. I mean, how many times do I have to yeah. appear in the Bible? Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's what pastors say, but I was confronted by uh, the secular media who picked up on this here in the D.C. area. And uh, isn't that irresponsible? And, uh, oh, my gosh. You know, I t- I've had to tell the, what, one of the reporters who was reaching out, I said, you know, there's, a, there's a, maybe a distinction to be made between cringing fear and recklessness, and the middle ground is called prudence. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but again, well, Father, don't you think people are supposed to be afraid? Isn't that the message? Uh, well, you know. He asked, actually asked so, that question? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then he then, of course, turned on me and he said, now look, what do you say to the hundreds of thousands, I don't know how many times, who was alleged at that time had died from it, and... Um, and he said, uh, what do you say to them who've lost loved ones? And I, I kind of pulled a fast one out of him. I said, well, you know, I was almost killed by the stupid thing. You know, I mean, I was 11 days in the ICU. And that kind of startled him. He hadn't done his background. Mm-hmm. And That's a I shock. Said, they I, haven't I, done I their background. That's a shock. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I, said, but I, could, I said, I could only speak for myself, but I would never want everyone to have to put their life on hold because I might get sick. I'm responsible for my health. Let me work with my doctors. But don't ever shut down this world because I might get sick, you know. And that, that's, that's, that, that's my message. And he's, oh, um, okay, well, let's go to a break, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. We were done there. But, yeah, I just, oh, my goodness. I, you know, it's so, so sad what happened to us. And I'm afraid it yeah. will happen again. We're sitting ducks. Absolutely. We're talking with Monsignor Charles Pope, of course, his recent article for The Register. Yes to prudence, no to fear where the mistakes we made during COVID must never happen again. I was I was surprised that so many Christians were, were easily convinced that everything that the government was saying was right. And anybody who questioned or even just raised an issue, say, what about this? What about this? This inconsistency was attacked, was told that they were they were causing adding to the problem. They were ki- literally killing people. That's what they were told. I was surprised yeah. by that. What do you think it was, even among those who, who are raised as Christians and told not to fear? Well, we are very worldly. And uh, I did say to a few people, I, at that time, uh, the, the pulpits were silent because we were shut down. But but I, I was saying to a number of people, uh, even at that time on the radio show that I had, I said, you know, I think that we have to approach this as Christians. Now, the worst thing in the world isn't to die. <laughs> and if you do die... Maximum promotion if you die in a state of grace. You know, you might go through purgatory, but you're on your way home, you know. I mean, the point is, for a, for a Christian, our perspective on things in general should be that if we're faithful, and that's an important qualifier, the day we die is the greatest day of our life. It's like mm-hmm. coming out of the womb. And uh, it's, it's um, uh, so that uh, we have to retool and think, am I just thinking about this in a worldly way? And then here's the other thing, Teresa. Would that people have even a tenth of the fear and panic and a willingness to just completely put their whole life on hold about mortal sin? Mm. Nobody cares about their soul. Everybody's running around in panic about a little virus that kills less than 1% of its victims. And um, it is just, you know, astonishing that fear there, but actually no fear whatsoever. About the uh, about their souls, about what mortal sin can do. Oh, 
and then have we ever discussed this much in the church? I think I have. I preached on it, but I don't think. Yeah, you're right. People just moving on up. Too controversial. Don't want to talk about it. You know. Well, I also so. think people don't want to be reminded of the negative, and 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 also I think. Mm-hmm. That is a big thing, and fear is huge. And I try to tell people when they look at the media that that's a that's a business model for the media. It always has yeah. been. It's it, it's gotten much yeah. worse in the last ten to fifteen years. But I mm-hmm. saw it when I was in the news a long time ago. Fear sells. That's why mm-hmm. they say if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, that's not a joke. Mm-hmm. That happens every day in, yeah. in the editorial meetings. And as I said at the top of the hour, I like to think of the word fear as an acronym, false evidence appearing as real. I mean, because it is. Yes. If we stop and think and take a breath and look at things, we're not supposed mm-hmm. to be not that we're not supposed to be cautious and use our brains, our God-given brains, or as you say in the article, prudence. But when we mm-hmm. allow fear to, to overcome us, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It does. And I mean, well, what we've been through is just a perfect example. Yeah, you're right. It's an industry. Um, I, when I was studying marketing, you know, back in college days, just, you know, like going through the business school there, and um, it, basically that's how Madison Avenue also works. Every advertisement is kind of rooted in a fear of death. They say that's what they're manipulating. You know, you basically it's kind of a diminishment death. But like, you know, you, you know, people are laughing at you behind your back. You know. You don't know that, but they are. You're pretty pathetic, actually. But 1995 plus shipping and handling our product will rescue you from the sad, foolish state that you're in. And mm-hmm. it works every time. <laughs> and then that's little stuff. But this was just huge. And boy, where we played, and we let it happen. Let's not let it happen again. Again, amen. More from Monsignor Pope when we return in about two minutes. You're listening to Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Yes to prudence, no to fear, why the mistakes we made during COVID must never happen again. Published recently by National Catholic Register, ncregister.com. We'll be right back. was a doctor of the church and one of the most famous saints of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Augustine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, but he balanced his genius with humility. Once declared it was pride that changed angels into devils, it is humility that makes men as angels. He died in 461. For more about the doctors of the church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents, to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. MyLifeAngels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. Father Benedict Groeschel. I want to welcome you, if you're not familiar, with the wonderful world of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What will America become if it makes it impossible for the Holy Spirit to work here because of untruth and self-indulgence and paganism? This is not just a nice discussion of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because I'm going to discuss What happens when people make it impossible to be prudent, just, or honest, or brave, or courageous, or reverent? When people make that impossible, what a terrible thing 
they do not only to themselves, but to our society. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Welcome back. Monsignor Charles Pope is with us. He's posted a very, I think, important article on the National Catholic Register all about making sure that we are not giving in to fear again. Yes to prudence, no to fear why the mistakes we made during COVID must never happen again. No, I told you during the break that you have uh, close to 100 comments already on this, that it's interesting, of course, they're coming from, from all different sides because this is still such, I think, a sore spot for for so many. And, and certainly, given that you suffered a long time with COVID and were hospitalized for it, you're not minimizing the fact that it was, you know, it, it was an ugly thing and still is an ugly thing. But at the same time, there are so many issues and steps that were taken that were never examined. And if anybody asked about it, for example, you go into a restaurant, right, and you'd be driving, for example, family friends of ours, they have five children, they were going out for Mother's Day, they all came in the van, they were living together, they get in the restaurant, and the restaurant says, you have to sit apart, you can't have seven people at a table. And they said, well, we just came from the same van, we live in the same house. Oh no, you have to split it up, and this is on Mother's Day. So the kids had to make the rounds and go sit with their mother and take turns because of the stupid rules that were out there. Or else you saw the politicians that were saying, no, you have to wear the mask, you have to stay indoors, you can't do this, you can't do that. And how many times did we see politicians across the country doing whatever they wanted to do, the same ones who were saying, don't go outside, you must do this, you must do that. That's a thing that that has to be examined again. Why was there a different set of rules for the average person versus those in power? Mm -hmm. it, yeah, and, and gosh, it's just, it was yeah, so infuriating. And then even to some extent, the average person, remember, uh, they, 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 we were all to stay inside, but then when the BLM, you know, the, all those protests broke out, well, well, but this is more serious than COVID racism, and so it was okay to go out and protest, but don't go to church. Can't go to church, but you can go engage in you know a large public protest with people shoulder to shoulder marching uh, and, and screaming and yelling and and perspiration yeah. and everything else that was supposedly yeah. tell, being told that was spreading the disease, right? Exactly. Yeah, and it's, it's the asymmetry of the whole thing, just the unbalanced thing that it, it, you could tell that we were being played, we were being manipulated, and. Uh, the politicians who were doing these things kind of knew there was nothing to it. That's why they just broke all the rules and got their hair done and went to restaurants and whatever they wanted to do. And this is, um, oh, well, as I say, it's so sad and so infuriating as well. But it, I guess what, the other thing, Teresa, that I'm concerned is that it so undermines our trust in the people that we do need in some level to trust. Mm -hmm. And we owe some obedience bound to the fourth commandment to civil authorities who, you know, and, and yet all of that was shattered. My, my trust in the medical community was shattered. My trust in the media, well, I've always been <laughs> not very trusting there, but, but it, it certainly wasn't improved. My, my, my trust in, uh, in science in general, I mean, just, uh, I, I felt like I was just, everybody was either lying or was being, you know, manipulated themselves and pressed into politics and things. And yeah, gosh, and the, the the mask and the, oh, anyway, what we did to each other is also just awful. Yeah. And uh, it's I still going on. The, 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 oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, yeah. finish, Monsignor, go ahead. Well, no, 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 you finish, that's good. I was just going to say just the way we attack each other still, uh, and even some of the comments on, on your article mm -hmm. are, are basically saying mm -hmm. that, that you're not being truthful and you don't care about the people who died. Meanwhile, you were, you know, in the ICU for what? 
two weeks with COVID. So, so yeah, you were one of the right. you were one of the victims there, and you know what it's what it's like to be affected by it. So you're not minimizing that it is mm-hmm. very serious for some people, and that some people did die from it. But even the CDC admitted, I think it was a former leader of the CDC, that a majority of people who did pass away from COVID also had other comorbidities. And many people, and I know this from friends of mine who died during COVID and went into the hospital for something else and maybe tested positive for COVID, they actually died from the other, again, comorbidity versus uh, COVID itself. So all that confusion, and then you have the CDC admitting this afterward, and so many people losing their job. The inconsistencies, that's why I think we need mm-hmm. to step back and say, okay, yeah. I think Americans are, are very forgiving. I think we, we generally care about people, and that's why I think right away we said, okay, two or three weeks, we get it. But for 18 months or longer, Monsignor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we were young. Once again, what was it? Uh, three, two, two weeks, three weeks, whatever to bend the curve or something bend like that. Bend the curve, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know. Look, I think you know. It, it, then they yeah, drag on and on and on, and uh, we seem to be quite willing to go along with it. And I just, we all have to look at ourselves. But it is so hard to stand up and fight um, when they just have all the levers, and yeah. they can shame you and call you irresponsible. It's like you want people to die. And, um, my gosh, you know, um, we seem to have lost any ability in our culture to speak reasonably and rationally to each other. Right. And it's just all about posturing and yelling and getting into camps. And, yeah, you see that in the comments, you know. And when I was in the hospital, I mean, I, I, my staff said I received hundreds of letters, and I, they said they, they just they asked me, could we open them because we're concerned. And most of them were, you deserve to die, priest. Die. Oh. You know, oh you, you, you're irresponsible, that kind of stuff. So mm. say, I was I never told anyone to violate the law, not to wear a mask. If we, I never said, but I said, you know, we shouldn't be so afraid. And that, because of that, I deserve to die. And, you know, this is where we are in our culture. It is just so sad. You know, you kick God to the curb. The biblical narrative is gone. We're in little, all of our little silos with suffering subjectivism. We can't even have a reasonable conversation. Because there's nothing we agree on, and I think it's a bigger picture. But it's uh, that's part of the bigger picture. But it is, it is. I think we're well, and of course in the church, may we never again just simply shut down. If, even if I could only have ten people at mass, I was willing to do it. Yeah. What was this about shutting down? And the casinos were open, the liquor stores were open, and we just sat. The abortion mills were open, at least in my state of Michigan, mm-hmm. they remained open. Yeah. That was considered yeah. an essential service. So, so final word, Monsignor, about, about a minute left. In terms from a Christian perspective, how do we look at all this, and mm-hmm. how do we go forward? And obviously still being concerned and, uh, about the health of, of other people, which mm-hmm. I think we all are. How do we move forward beyond this, do you think, and, and learn from this? You know, the, um, the Lord gave us a little recipe. He said, don't be afraid. But he didn't just say that. He said, in the Scriptures, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Which is another way of saying is, look, if you fear me, says the Lord, you don't need to fear anybody else. But if you don't fear me, you're going to fear 10,000 other people who mm-hmm. come at you from all sides. Stay rooted in the Lord. Do not be so afraid of even the worst things like dying and so on. God can make a way out of no way, and even our death becomes the beginning of our true life. You know, these things, we, we're not irresponsible. We act prudently, but we're not running around, and we're not subject to panic. Uh, also, watch less of the mainstream media. I mean, Amen to that. they sell this. They sell this. That's how they sell their ads. They didn't want COVID to end because they make so much money from fear. 
And pe- more people yeah. watch because they're scared than the ratings go up. That's what people understand. Fear is a model for the news business. I wrote a huge chapter on that in my very first book, yeah. Noise. Monsignor, great to catch up with you. We're so glad that Thank you're you. with us this morning and all the great work that you do, not only in Washington, but, of course, for the National Catholic Register and elsewhere. And, again, yeah. this powerful piece by Monsignor, Yes to Prudence, No to Fear, Why the Mistakes We Made During COVID Must Never Happen Again. And you'll find it on, of course, the Register's website, ncregister.com. Joan Lewis joins us from Rome. That's up next on a Wednesday morning, and we'll be right back. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, Our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Can viewing art, even online, improve your health? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Viewing works of art can positively affect our well-being. Think of all the art we're surrounded by daily, in and out of church life. How about the beauty of nature, stained glass, and beautiful cathedrals, great works of art? The list goes on. According to a study, when participants view works of art, even on a screen, their mood is positively affected. Psalm 104 teaches us that God made the beauties of creation because He enjoyed them, and we should too. Think of it. You're on the road or you're stuck in your home, but you have access to a screen. Try viewing some great works of art. The possibilities for enhancing mental health and moods of seniors and those with health problems is immense. The study further suggests this brings us more pleasure in life. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of Ave Maria Radio. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a live-streamed or broadcast Mass. There's more to it than reciting the act of spiritual communion. We should begin by having sincere repentance for our sins and affirming our belief that Christ's death redeemed us. Next, we call to mind the spiritual gifts found in Christ's sacrifice and thank God earnestly for them. Now we are disposed to pray the traditional prayer of spiritual communion. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself holy to you. Welcome back. Catholic Connection on a Wednesday morning. Always great to catch up with Joni, as I call her, my sister in Rome, Joan Lewis. And sorry I didn't respond to your emails. It's just been a busy, busy morning. Lots going on here. But I have been following what you've been saying and what you've been writing about. So I know you're going to give us an update on how the Holy Father is. But I'm fine. Don't worry. I just didn't have a chance to, to, to respond. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we usually uh, and even talk about this on the air, exchange emails where right. 
uh, each of us might suggest to the other, you know, here's, here's what's on the menu, et cetera, et cetera. So, but the only thing that counts is that Pope Francis and Therese are fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Pope, yes. Yeah. I'm not. That, that, I don't think too many people have to worry about me, so to speak. But I'm. I'm. I'm thanks be to God, I'm fine too. But the Pope is much more important. So he's doing well, right? Yeah. Um, we got a couple hours ago the afternoon news bulletin saying, of course, that he had rested well during the night, and uh, everything proceeding regularly, no complications. And so they're therefore thinking of discharging discharging him in the, quote, next few days. Uh, he worked in the morning, lunch, he prayed in the chapel, and then he received the, the Eucharist. So, And it was interesting because there was a, an Italian website where um, the, which said the Pope could return to the Vatican from Gemelli uh, Thursday or Friday, and this was from an email, actually, that Cardinal Giovanni Battista Rey, Dean of the College of Cardinals, had sent to all of the cardinals. He said he'd spoken to the Holy Father and assured him of the cordial closeness of all the cardinals. So um, that uh, that may have prompted the hospital, therefore the press office, to mention something about discharging him. But Teresa, I really have to be have to tell you that last Saturday there was a a riveting um, Q and A session between the papal surgeon. And, and the media at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, this was, if you went to vaticannews.va, you could see the video. Well, what fascinated me, it was like listening to my own doctor, see, only because I had similar but actually far worse surgery uh, a number of years ago. Uh, no hernia was involved, but lots of other very scary things. And so scary that the doctor told the staff, um, when they came to visit me in the hospital, that had I waited one more day, uh, they wouldn't be there visiting me. So uh, a very scary time. But uh, the reason I mention this is because the various warnings, things that the doctor said, were things my own doctor would have said to me about being careful to do this, being careful not to do that. And um, if the doctor stressed, he stressed, Two things that really got to me. One, I think he said it three times, the Pope has not uh, ever had, nor does he now have, any kind of a heart problem. I guess there were one or two media sources that had mentioned the Pope having a heart problem, so the doctor Mm -hmm. cleared that up. But then he also said that the Pope has to be very careful of movement. And um, anybody listening to us, knows when you get up and down from a chair, one of the parts of your body that helps you is your stomach, the muscles in your stomach. There's so many movements we make where the stomach muscles are important. And in the Pope's case, because it was a hernia uh, reparation in a mesh, uh, a net put into his abdomen wall, had to be very careful of any kind of stress. So the doctor had said, we have... No one can tell the Holy Father what to do, he said, but we have um, he and the personal medical assistance of the Holy Father, that one is, is always with him at, um, at the Santa Marta. He said the two of us advised the Holy Father it would be prudent, if he knows this last Saturday, if the Pope would stay the whole coming week. So um, we'll see if they say that he's leaving tomorrow or Friday, that's not the whole week 
um, I, Joan, had the doctor said it to me, I would have said, hey, you're, you're the expert. So, so we yeah. shall see. And I guess my concern would be because I had a, uh, a month in the hospital and then, and then two, two and a half months after that of recovery, uh, of being careful, et cetera. Um, because if, if the Holy Father resumes a whole bunch of activities and movement and everything, you just want to be careful that the doctor's work, that surgery, all the stitching and everything, you know, hasn't been done in vain. So Yeah, because he's got, and we were talking about this last week, because he's got quite a schedule coming up, even though they've suspended, we know the, the audiences, whatnot, and he didn't, do the, he didn't do the Angelus from the hospital window as he has done in the past. Well, thank but goodness. You know, right, you think you look about his schedule coming up and you're thinking, wow, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, you've been through this, so you would have more understanding of it. And, um, oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that I don't know what the circumstances will be, but I personally feel, knowing the Holy Father, how he feels about certain things, I, you know, his his job, of course, I think that we're going to see him Sunday at the Angelus. You know, now, for me, it would be very smart if he simply did it um, from the chapel in the Santa Marta residence or from one of the reception rooms, um, not have him get in and out of a car. Just um, think about it. The next time you get in and out of a chair or a car, a movement like that, um, try and be aware of how much your <laughs> your muscles, especially stomach muscles, are involved. So... I know he wants to get back to work. He was doing a lot of reading and writing. We saw this, uh, of course, every day in the bulletin. And, and um, obviously the, the joke here is, <laughs> this is kind of scary, the fact that he was doing so much reading and writing every day. So the joke here is how many new motu proprios will there be in coming weeks? <laughs> you know, new paper. Yeah, new papal documents reorganizing something or other that that mm-hmm. he wrote while while in Jamelli. So um, yeah, yeah, we really do have to keep him and just hope that he does have the prudence and especially thank the Lord for Massimiliano Strapetti. He's the uh, papal assistant that last August the Pope actually created this position when he named this man as his personal, you know, assistant. I think it was medical assistant, and um, and that's good to know that someone is there who can say, "Holy Father, wait a minute, you know, you, you're you're getting up and down too many times today, or or maybe watching a diet." Uh, the Holy Father, I don't think he'd be released. I could be wrong until he's on solid food, because the bulletin, uh, the last two bulletins didn't say anything about food. But the last bulletin that mentioned food said that, uh, and I think this was Sunday, said that, um, you know, he was, no, oh, Sunday wasn't even the last one. Anyway, we knew he was on a semi-liquid diet. And that includes things like um, mashed potatoes, some rice. Uh, what's the cereal we often give to children? Um, I can't think of it. But anyway, so semi-liquid, we, uh, you want the Holy Father. I know the hospital wanted me to be on solid food before I was released. So, what about what about pasta? To, Doesn't he like pasta? Didn't he want his pasta? Did he get the his know, pasta yet? Well, I, right. I think pasta. Um, I suppose it would have to be, you know, cut up. Uh, who knows? Pasta. 
is in there. Or, or already cut. Clear. You can't cut spaghetti. Don't say that. That's sacrilege to me. I can't hear people oh, cutting Oh, I know. Pasta. I know. That is absolute <laughs> sacrilege for Italian cuisine. And, um, uh, but, no, pasta would be on there, but I, you don't want to load it with, oh, my word, some of the spicy stuff that you put on pasta. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Oh, my. <laughs> yes, yeah, you did. Or you had to. I mean, you look at Teresa, folks, when she's putting pepperoncino on her pasta, and she might be okay, but your heart is palpitating just watching her, you know, so. <laughs> uh, but Yeah, and then when I go to your apartment, you just pick it, put a big bowl of it in front of me, and then I'm good for everything. But anyway, we digress. Oh, I wanted to ask yeah. you a question before. I know that the Pope is doing well, thanks be to God, but Berlusconi, big news uh, in Italy, uh, passing away, and then he's going to oh, be my uh, gosh. the funeral in, in Milano, right, at the Duomo. Yeah, today. Um and he was um he was 86 so 86, you know yeah. uh, and had been suffering from some form of leukemia apparently for many years and he'd only been to the hospital a couple of days before and any time he went they always showed him walking in or being in the car brought to the hospital and everything but um it was so funny because one of my first thoughts and eventually it came out in the written press was how he preceded Donald Trump the, the comparison, once um, Trump became president, um, his, his work with the media, some of the, uh, if you want to say, outrageous or uh, things that he would say, or unexpected things that Trump mm -hmm. might say, it was exactly what Berlusconi did. But, I mean, he was very big in politics. People loved him. They loved him because he wasn't really a politician. He was a big businessman. He was in TV, a million investments. And um, he was just this huge, this bigger-than-life public figure. And uh, some aspects of his life were, uh, personal life, of course, were, were questionable. But um, the man founded a political party, Forza Italia. And Forza Italia is the equivalent of Go Italy. So if you were out there cheering your team and you said Forza Italia because you were cheering them on in the World Cup, well, believe it or not, after he founded this team, it became almost illegal to say, to cheer your team on with those two words, Forza Italia. Wow. So, yeah, no, he was a bigger-than-life person, and and um, and he'll be missed. I mean, his party is one of the the uh, parties in the coalition of the uh, of Giorgio Meloni, and um, he put a lot of his own weight and influenced a lot of other people to get behind her as prime minister. So, um, you know, the politics here will will take another turn, as they have since Italy became a republic. And, um, of course, we celebrated Republic Day on June 2nd. So right. we right. shall see where things go in the world of politics with the with the loss of, of uh, you know, Berlusconi. Berlusconi. So, yeah, his funeral is today at the Duomo, yeah. and he's originally, I guess, from Milan, yeah. but it is just interesting to see this. I know the Vatican sent a statement uh, of condolences to the family. Pope Francis sent a right, message. Right, exactly. And, yeah, yeah, so interesting stuff. All right, so you're going to be watching. Um, yep, yep, you're going to be watching the Holy Father, and you're expecting him um, to be discharged soon, and we're hoping and praying that he just takes it easy, right? Yes, absolutely. Um People know, and I think obviously the doctor has learned in this week, I mean, surgery was a week ago as we speak, um, 
I think the doctor has learned that the, uh, what all of us here at the Vatican know. Pope Francis has his own mind for a lot of things, and um, sometimes he can be advised to act in a in a fashion, you know, going along with a given tradition or protocol or whatever. And and sometimes it's well, actually, I have my own take on things. So mm-hmm. this is one time when. Uh, the, just the way the doctor spoke when he said, by the way, nobody can tell the Holy... He said this on the air. <laughs> nobody can tell the Holy Father what to do. So mm-hmm. um, in any event, you know, we want him to be healthy, and and uh, it will be interesting to see uh, if he w- ha- will lose any weight, as the doctor did mention, and um, the weight of the Holy Father that anybody who has seen him, a picture of him, or certainly on TV in the last two years, knows that that um, he has gained a, a huge amount of weight. So um, that can also be an uncomfortable factor to deal with when you are dealing with movement. We know he still has mobility issues um, with the knee problem and other things. So hopefully his problems will be diminished, not, you know, multiplied. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, we look forward to to seeing uh, him continue to improve and also to your updates, not only here on Catholic Connection, but of course on At Home with Jim and Joy and on, of course, your beautiful blog, Jones Rome at WordPress.com. Have a beautiful weekend, my dear, and we will catch up next week. Joan Lewis, of course, with EW Chan's Jones Rome, and of course, you catch her also on radio and TV. When we come back, we're going to tell you all about what's coming up tomorrow. Vanessa Denhagarmo will be sitting in for me, but Father Mitch Pacwa, you don't want to miss his segment, Cultural Connections, tomorrow on a Thursday morning edition of Catholic Connection. We'll be right back. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring, author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries' YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. This Ave Maria program is brought to you in part by the nonprofit CMF Curo. Your search for affordable health care stops here. Since 2014, CMF Curo has provided Catholics with affordable health care sharing that goes beyond insurance. With programs that cost less than many COBRA and ACA-sponsored plans, CMF Curo is a Catholic health sharing experience that enables you to live fully alive while saving money. Call 1-833-GET-CURO to find affordable Catholic health care now. That's 1-833-GET-CURO. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN, Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. Coming up tomorrow, my dear sister Vanessa Denhagarmo will be filling in for me. I've got uh, some projects I'm working on with my new book related to some videos and a Bible study that we're doing. We'll let you know more about that in the coming weeks and months because it starts in the fall. Now, speaking of Vanessa, today is her birthday. Vanessa Denhagarmo, it's her birthday. I don't want to say her age. You don't need to know that. But wish her a happy birthday. She does a daily program for us at Ave Maria Radio called the Epiphany, and she's just a wonderful sister in the Lord. Have a great day. Be back with you, God willing, on a Friday. Ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.